the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black here to guide you to your financial retirement. We're on the road to nowhere together, i.e. retirement. A lot of stuff going on right now, and one of the things I want to talk about is how things change. Are you with me or are you against me on this one, right? Um, When I grew up, there was no substituting for the greatness of cable TV. I am old enough that I I, I lived in a time where cable wasn't available. It wasn't a thing yet. You had to have rabbit ears or something on your... um, top of your TV to kind of help with the the tuning. And where I'm going now with this is my father was in the military, so we got to see a lot of military bases. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I I think most people do. You've you've seen movies, right, where Tom Cruise has to go back to the base and he has to go through the MPs, the military police. Um, So there's something going on, and it's a closed environment. It's a fort, a fortress kind of. There's usually fences around these things. Um, But what's worthy of note, in my opinion here, is because it's a closed environment, military families got to get things like cable TV before other people did. And as a wee little boy, um, one of the things that I can throw out at you is that it was kind of cool. Cable TV was promised as it's, it's, you don't need to throw away the rabbit ears. And you could just, you know, consume TV now with cable brought into your home. And it was pretty cheap when it came out. It was like $19 a month. It was probably only like 15 channels. And through the years, they added more channels and raised the price, added more channels, raised the price, added more channels, raised the price. You know how it goes, right? Um, But that's when ESPN launched. It was right as cable started to become a little bit bigger, a little bit boomier. And, And ESPN eventually gets acquired by Disney. And one of the things is, you had to have your MTV. I want my MTV. I'm Billy Isle. I want my MTV. The campaigns to get you to buy into, into cable were pretty hardcore. Call your cable doctor today and tell them you want your MTV. Because MTV was able to charge like a dollar per subscriber. ESPN does that too. And ESPN has ESPN. And they charge a dollar per subscriber. So your bill went up by a dollar. And then it came out with ESPN2, and they charged another dollar for that one. So your bill went up again. ESPN3, University, ESPN. They all charge. You all pay You pay them, even if you don't even watch the darn thing. Right? Which is pretty upsetting, because like my mom's got cable TV, but she doesn't watch sports. Why is she paying for it? That's how a la carte kind of spun out. But what I really want to talk about was the idea that ESPN, I kind of grew up on it. Sports Center was a thing to do, watch when you before you went to bed. Rumble, stumble, bumble. Uh, who was the guy? Big fat hemorrhoid of a human being. Uh, thick neck. You go. The pitcher pitches. He throws the ball to Rob Black. Rob Black swings. Call 
Berman. Chris Berman, right? My kids don't give a crap about Chris Berman. They don't give a crap about ESPN. They're, they're like, we don't care. So there's something evolving right now, eSports, and that's what they do care about. My boys watched a Fortnite tournament. They watched other people play a game online the other day. That's crazy. Soon, more people are going to be watching eSports than watching the NFL. High-priced athletes with their faces set in grim determination. Screaming fans showing loyalty with branded gear. You look up in the stadium and you see all those jerseys. But now they're EA jerseys. Now they're Activision jerseys or uh, Apex Legends. or There's actually sports teams out there. And eSports teams. So 250 million people worldwide watch eSports. And that's going to... That's going to... Esports are video games. Like, you could watch me uh, bowl on a, a video game. You could watch me play baseball on a video game. The NBA has signed deals to have E-teams. All of them have them. And what's fascinating about this is they'll hire a little nerd from San Jose. And we got Zachary playing point guard. And he's like five foot one. But what he can do with his fingers on an Xbox controller is unbelievable. And people lose their mind for it. So that's, that's, that's shifting. More people are going to be watching eSports than real sports. We're just going to turn into a nation of fat Oompa Loompas. <laughs> we're going to get so soft, we're going to be nice and delicious when our enemies eat us. So the total prize money in eSports right now is only going to get bigger. It's at $177 million over 1,000 tournaments. One of, the, one of the biggest eSports athletes made it onto the cover of ESPN Magazine last year. His name is Tyler Blevins. AKA Ninja. And if you go Google uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Ninja, you'll see on YouTube that like he's a celebrity. He's an, uh, an athletic celebrity. It's kind of interesting, right? Are you with me or against me? Now, how can you make money off esports? There's a video game ETF. If you believe in what I'm saying, and you, you don't have to because I don't own this, it's ticker symbol is GAMR, gamer, GAMR, more than 70 total components. That ETF will get you into the research that you can now do to see what companies are involved in esports. Okay? How about another one? So, Rob, hit me with another one. Tencent. It's a Chinese tech powerhouse. You probably don't think of it as an iconic studio name like Electronic Arts or Activision or Take-Two because you don't know them. It doesn't put Tencent brand into the biggest hits, but they own part of, they own Riot Games, which owns League of Legends, which is one of the biggest esports mega hits. Still doing quite well. They own 40% of Epic Games, which has Fortnite, which has top 250 million players worldwide. The company's also got some minority stakes in legacy studios like Activision Blizzard and Ubisoft. Ubisoft! Another eSport play down the road could very well be Amazon, as they've got one of the, the Twitch platform, which Twitch, you can watch other people play video games online. But even more interestingly is they just came out with a game. It's a karaoke game, where you can now watch... People do karaoke. And I don't know how I feel about that. But, again, this is real money we're talking about. Nintendo is a big eSports player. The Wii U console flopped, but the company has been on a tear since the launch of its innovative Switch console. There's a host of reasons, whether it's the games like Mario or Zelda. Um, They've had a big move into China recently. Um, I'm a fan of Nintendo's quality. I don't play their games. I just look at their quality, and I'm like, you guys do a good job. NVIDIA is a play on eSports. It's made its name in the PC gaming space with great graphic cards. An Xbox or PlayStation isn't easily customizable. 
So you don't open those rigs, but all those rigs typically have an NVIDIA or an AMD chip inside of them. And there's one more company that I want you to start thinking about, a company called Huya, H-U-Y-A. It's an Asian tech stock. It just had its one-year anniversary after an IPO. It's a leader in gameplay streaming, which is increasingly you know, heavy demand. We'll talk about esports in the near future. Stick with me. Find out more about my seminars that I throw out. They're great free events. You can learn more at robblackshow.com and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Talk to you soon. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Hello. Hello. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Now, REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, have started doing really well. Why? Well, in 2018, in the last couple of months of the quarter or months of the year, uh, maybe four or five months, interest rates really started marching higher. Like, I got a, a, a refi done with lower interest rates at the beginning of 2018, and I was, it was great. And then it started marching higher. It started marching higher and higher, and I couldn't do it. And because I couldn't do it, a lot of people were like, hey, it's less effective. So real estate investment trust, which invest in public buildings, not public buildings, but public, it's a publicly traded company, a REIT, and they invest in businesses like... The office that you're in right now, your company probably doesn't own. They're probably leasing it from someone. I know you're saying, I'm not in an office. I'm in my bed. And then, I, and then I'm saying, like, who listens to Drop Black and Your Money in their bed? Like, maybe I need some sexy time music playing when I'm talking to you to get you up in the morning. But interest rates, yeah. Real estate finds lower interest rates sexy. Now, lower interest rates with the U.S. government, it's basically saying hey, the economy's not sexy. The economy needs help. Or maybe the world economy needs help, so we'd lower the interest rates. That helps the stock market and the real estate market because the cost of borrowing money is cheaper. When we had that really, really brutal Great Recession 2008, rates went so low, I saw Apple say, you know what? We're going to borrow a lot of money. We're going to make our spaceship office building. We're going to own it. But we're going to borrow that money, and then we're going to build it. At the end of 2018, they'd probably have said, hey, interest rates are too high. We're going to lease our buildings from another company. But when they went low, they were like, hey, we're moving. And the companies like REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, they're in the business of lending, not, not lending money, but um, borrowing money and getting into business spaces and then managing that business on some level. You know, uh, if you lease an office building, you have to have like janitors and you have to pay the water bills and things like that, right? If you own the, the property. You have to give your tenants like service. You can't just say, I'm a slumlord. Good luck. Right. Um, so anyway, that is one of the big stories right now. Real estate investment trusts are doing well. Now, do I think it's a good thing long term for interest rates to be super low? No. Do I think we're at a, a new era? Yeah, because it's been 20 years now. Ever since 9-11, we've been battling the world economy with lower interest rates. Terrorism takes a, you know, do I want to go to Sri Lanka? No. There's terrorism there. So anytime there's terrorism, it slows down economic activity. So on some levels, they do win, right? On some levels, they do. The best thing you could ever do if you want to fight terrorism is go to Sri Lanka. <laughs> you're saying you're not sending me to Sri Lanka. Um, but I remember after 9-11, people got so scared, they'd call my show, and I'd say, like, hey, best thing you do is go to a mall. Go spend some money. Show terrorists that you're, you're, you're not rattled by them. And I know you're saying, that's not the best financial advice. Well, there's, there's something in there. I'll admit that. There's some flaws. 
U.S. existing home U.S. existing home sales fell more than expected in March. Now, what do we need to know about that? Not much. It's just one month. Uh, but it's pointing to a continued weakness in the housing market. Now, I own some real estate. Am I sweating it? No. I've had eight great years on one piece. I've had 15 great years on another. I've had 12 great years on another. Not, not of all of those great. There was years where things went down. I was like, man, I could really use some extra cash flow. <laughs> but the big picture I'm good with. Would I buy a brand new home today in the, the uh, peninsula of the, the Bay Area? No. Maybe a brand new home, but not an existing home, right? Um, I think, obviously, the trend for homes is smaller in the Bay Area. That's the only way to go forward. If you're going to price it on square foot, you're, there's not going to be a lot of people buying 3,000 square foot houses. So U.S. home sales fell more than expected in March, pointing to a continued weakness in the housing market. The National Association of Realtors, also known as NAR, said existing home sales dropped 4.9% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $5.2 million. So if you have a realtor telling you real estate's a great investment, it's always goes up, tell them to go flake off. You know? Say, you don't know what you're talking about. And real estate shouldn't grow faster than wages. And if you ever listen to economists, they'll say in the last 30 years, you haven't really got more purchasing power. Your wages haven't increased as much as cost of things. So the best time to be an American and and not make a ton of money was 30 years ago because it went further than what you did make. So that's going to be a problem down the road for people affording homes. I know people who are 25 who they've given up on owning a home. It ain't their thing. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Existing home sales, which make up about 90% of the U.S. home sales market, declined 5.4%. That's the 13th straight year-on-year decrease in home sales. Falling mortgage rates, strengthening wage growth. A lot of states have upped uh, minimum wage. And slowing house price inflation have improved affordability. You know, realtors say real estate always goes up. My real estate hasn't gone up in the last three years. I could have sold it three years ago in the Bay Area. A home for $2 million. Today, if I were to sell it, it might go for two one. It might go for one nine. You know what I would pay for that home in, like, Virginia or Ohio or you name it? It would be almost half of what I'm paying in the Bay Area. That's big money. So falling mortgage rates, helping. Strengthening wage growth, helping. Slowing home price inflation, helping. Housing supplies remains tight. I've thought about leaving the Bay Area. Maybe moving an hour or two east maybe an hour or two north, maybe eight hours south. And I I go, what would I do with my current property on the peninsula? And I I was like, I want to keep it because I got such a low mortgage rate. Talking about low interest rates, right? I got such a low mortgage rate on it. I could put a renter in it. Good school districts. It's on the peninsula. It's close to Google. It's close to Facebook. It's close to, you you got the idea, right? Apple. And I could probably make double my mortgage payment. Woo-hoo! But, and this is where it comes into trouble, is what if I, I what if I lose a renter and suddenly my cash flow is struggling, right? I talked to someone the other day in San Mateo and she was showing me her backyard. And that's not a euphemism for anything. She's really showing me her backyard. And I'm like, this is a great backyard. You've got a great water feature on it and you know, got a lot of grass and got a lot of shade. And she goes, oh, you should have seen it when we rented the place eight years ago. There was like thistle. I'm not quite sure that's what it is. It's, it's tall grass and it looks really white trashy. That was like three feet high. And in all that thistle were beer bottles because the, 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 I'm not going to say rednecks. Um, all the people that had lived there before would just throw their empties in the backyard. Oh, it's fun having a renter, huh? But anyway, what was interesting about that was as I was talking to her, I was like, you've been renting for nine years? And like, she's a grown woman. I'm like, why not buy? Oh, we always thought we're going to only be here for a year. And then it was another year. 
And then another year, and we bought a kangaroo. I'm like, you bought a kangaroo? She goes, we didn't buy a kangaroo. But they, they spent a lot of money fixing up their the place for the, the landlord, right? You can find me online at Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up. Sign up for it at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. It's kind of interesting. Uh, one of the things I was recently studying up on is millennials. You know, it's, it's an obvious target when you're talking about investment ideas, whether it be into real estate or what do they like. Like, they don't seem to like sports. And there's a company called Bleacher Report who is, is trying to say, okay, ESPN's for old people like Rob. Bleacher Report is for, you know, people who are like 20, 25, and they're opening up a studio in a, a casino. Maybe that saves sports. Maybe younger people go to a casino, or maybe young people say, hey, that's a hip young media company. I'm thinking Bleach Report probably launches a cable channel or a network sooner than later and jumps off the internet, so to speak. But we'll talk about that later. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com, one of my favorite places to start my day. Uh, your page one account. It's been a couple weeks, Mr. O'Hare. I had spring break. You had spring break. Welcome back. Yeah. Hi, Rob. Thanks. Good to be back. So talking about sporting events, and I just, one father to another. Do your kids care about sports? Because mine tend not to. Uh, they do care, yes. Um, they probably okay. get that from their father, though. <laughs> uh, take them to a lot of Bulls games and Bears. The Bears. Well, I can't, you know, can't afford to go to those games, but we you know, watch them on TV. <laughs> so it's not a, a cheap uh, undertaking. Uh, I have a family of six, so uh, headed to oh, the yeah. Bulls or the Cubs or the Bears, is you need to take out a loan to do it these days. <laughs> Inflation. So when we were younger, it was a lot cheaper. Do you worry about inflation much? Are you on the dovish or the hawkish side or things will work themselves out? You kind of let that one go. Uh, What are your thoughts on inflation in the United States? Well, I suppose you know I can answer as a market analyst first, and just you know say that you know job is to kind of sit there and and uh, take stock of what you know the data is telling us, and particularly the data that the Federal Reserve uh, cares most about. And you know when it comes to inflation, the Federal Reserve is going to be looking at the the PCE price index, uh, which is a gauge of basically general price inflation, and that's. Looking very well behaved still, and uh, and you know, and that will help drive monetary policy. And because it is well behaved, holding you know below the Fed's two two percent inflation target, certainly on the the core PCE price index, uh, you don't necessarily have to fear a Fed rate hike anytime uh, soon. And so, um, so you know, do I worry about it? Um, sh- you know, sure, uh, because you have to worry about if you do get this uh, quick pickup in inflation, if you will, uh, then the Fed may feel as if it's behind the curve all of a sudden and be forced to, you know, raise rates in a manner that the, the market is not, not expecting. And uh, to that end, you know, the Fed Fund's futures market is certainly not expecting a rate hike at all this year. And and it's a you know pretty much a coin toss right now in terms of the probability as it relates to the prospect of a rate cut uh, by the December FOMC meeting. So one area that we are seeing some potential inflation coming down the road, which will sap the consumers, it seems like we're trending higher in oil prices and are we're seeing inflation in gas prices. Um, I was shocked recently. We're like four fifteen here in California. Don't know what you are in Chicago, but I know it's not four fifteen because we're in California. <laughs> Um, With that said, um, you think the oil price is going to become a story? Because I'm seeing you reported a little bit more on it in your 
um, your, your opening comments, your page one every day. Right. You know, well, we'll certainly be, you know, enter the, the mainstream media. I think if you continue to see gas prices, um, you know, move up, um, particularly since you've also have this uh, trend in the um, automotive market where uh, pretty much, you know, cars are being set aside and you have, you know, SUVs and, and pickup trucks uh, being in, in heavy demand. And so um, they have big gas tanks. And so when you see, you know, gasoline prices uh, move up, um, you're going to start to hear, I think, more uh, um in the mainstream in terms of how that could potentially uh, weigh on discretionary spending. But you know, would note that the offset to some of those arguments at these current price levels is that you do see you know, wages picking up, um, and that can be uh, certainly an offset to some of the gas price impact, uh, as well as just uh, strong feelings about job security, right? Um, you get consumers sure. who are employed and feel good about continued employment prospects. You know, they continue to typically continue to spend um, uh, pretty freely. And so, um, so there'll be some hits here and there, but uh, generally speaking right now, I mean, gas prices are, are not quite on the market's radar screen yet as a, uh, as a major impediment uh, for the consumer. Mm-hmm. So change topics ever so slightly because we're starting to hit broad and it's awesome stuff. Um, it's earnings season. I, I think that's one area where briefing.com really, really shines. If you don't have time to list the conference call, if you can't put together your own spreadsheets, if you can't, you know, tune in, um, I think, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not being kind. I'm being honest. I think briefing does a great job. And you, you know, you did a little reporting this morning saying United Tech, Coca-Cola, Verizon, Lockheed Martin, Whirlpool, Harley Davidson, Procter Gamble, all better than expected earnings. And I'm not going to put you in a, uh, under pressure, but that's a pretty diverse group of U.S. consumers and world consumers, and that that looks pretty good to me. That's more than one industry. Well, you're right, Rob, and I think that that has been kind of one of the supportive elements uh, as it relates in, to today's trading anyway, is that your, your takeaway is that you've got a broad-based group of uh, blue-chip companies that are out posting better-than-expected results. Um, I don't think that the um, that they're better than expected, though, is necessarily a huge surprise, and given what we know about what analysts do in front of an earnings reporting period, in that they they typically uh, take down their estimates um, more than is necessary, which creates a low bar for these companies to to get past. But you know, I would probably point though to the idea that you're seeing um, you know organic sales growth in um, multinational consumer-based companies like Kimberly Clark and Procter and Gamble. Um, um, you know, these are companies that compete with generic competitors that often have lower prices, and yet they're still seeing pretty good uh, organic sales growth, all things considered, which is, I think, a healthy indication in terms of where the consumer is right now in that they're they're willing to pay up for the branded product uh, as opposed to just looking for a substitution effect with these uh, lower generic items. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because, um, you know, I do a radio show and I have to create 10 hours of content plus a week, and I do some podcasts and things like that, and... One of the the pieces I put together a couple years ago was that if you're college educated, you're more likely to buy generic. If you're high school educated, you're more likely to buy brands. And, you know, we talk about that, and brands are typically more expensive than generic brands. Uh, name brands are more expensive than generic brands. Do you, do you put any faith in people like me <laughs> who say you should buy generic uh, drugs and generic Tylenol and generic aspirin? And, like, I don't know. It's just it's an odd conversation point right now. 
Well, I think you and I are cut from the same cloth then, you know, because, um, you know, I would tend to favor, you know, the generic product as well because, um, you know, from my experience and just the, you know, the use of those products, I don't really see any any glaring differences with the exception of Kellogg's Pop-Tarts. I will pay up for those. Um, so, um, but, yeah, you know, there is still, you know, really um, strong base, though, of consumers that, that, you know, want brand quality and uh, the brand that they, you know, can rely on. And and, um, and these big companies like Procter & Gamble of the world um, certainly do a very good job of marketing their, their message, and, and that connects. And, you know, in an environment where underlying economic Activity is is relatively solid and income growth is is okay. Um, you do see you know consumers show a propensity to, to, to pay up for those branded products, but uh, but that'll shift some obviously if you get into a period where the the economy uh, doesn't necessarily have to go into contraction, but but uh, slows down considerably, uh, and you start seeing a pickup in uh, in jobless claims. <laughs> so I've controlled with some pretty softball kind of thoughts. Let's throw uh, back to you now and say, what are you working on? What do we need to be aware of? Uh, what are your, your big columns coming up for briefing.com? Well, I mean, kind of touched on, you know, because it's sort of in the, in the meat of the earnings reporting period here right now. And uh, this week is particularly heavy with about 30% of S&P 500 companies uh, due to report their results. Uh, and you're going to get a nice cross-section of companies uh, out of the industrials and the technology sectors and as well as healthcare. And so so we'll have some uh, some takeaway points uh, by the end of the week uh, that will likely, you know, f- uh, form a basis perhaps for, uh, for a big-picture column. But keeping a close watch on the, on the the earnings and certainly the market's reaction to those earnings results. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare. Talk to you next Tuesday. Hopefully, it's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I like Briefing.com, an enormous source of information on both international and national stocks and economies and earnings surprises. And the the amount of data there is pretty pretty solid. And uh, it's. When you find a good data source, it's super important, especially when you're dealing with money and finance. So anyway, that's briefing.com. We'll talk to Mr. O'Hare next week at this time. Um, I've worked now with him on some level for a long time, and uh, he's a good person. Like, uh, you know, sometimes you're at work and you're like, uh, you're like, eh, that person seems kind of to themselves. I don't know. I'd ever know them in life outside of this, but I'd like to get to know him better is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, um, I'm digressing, as I'm prone to do. Elon Musk. Oh, Elon. He's upsetting me somehow, some way, some shape, some form. Uh, yesterday, they're having an, a car autonomy day. He's trying to make up a holiday. And um, he's saying some things that I don't think he should be saying. He's saying we'll have fully self-driving Teslas this year. He's already, we already know that's coming. So if he tells that to us and it doesn't happen, he's the CEO of that company. He could, I'm not saying the word liable, but he has to be responsible. And so far in the past, some you know commentary, like at one point in time, like I remember four or five years ago, listening to him, he's like, oh yeah, our, we'll eventually turn our cars that aren't being used or sold into robo-taxis because they can come grab you and drive you around and he's bashing LIDAR, uh, radar systems. So it's it's just interesting. I'm just... My thought is, he's on the clock again now for deliver self-driving cars this year by the end of December 31st. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial.
Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Samsung had to delay the Galaxy foldable phone. Probably a good thing that they did because it's clear that the technology is just not ready for prime time. The question is the ramifications on it. It was Galaxy Fold. It was a phone and a tablet. And it was going to cost $1,980. dollars they they folded and said, we need to look into this a little bit more. Because all the review, not all the review units we sent out, but some of them had big problems, like broken screen. And Samsung's not in the business of giving out a $2,000 piece of electronics and then giving you another one to replace it. Uh, I myself, here's the problem that I have with yet another device. I'm pretty happy with my iPhone 10. I know you're saying, is that it? You have nothing else to say. You're pretty happy with it. Uh-huh. Um, for me... And I've said this before, I once knew a younger person than me, and um, she was in her 30s. She was kind of an old millennial. And uh, she goes, she said to me one day, she goes, I don't like cables. I'm like, what? She had vocal fry, which I think is fantastic. She has vocal fry. I really like The Bachelor. Ah, he saw that line. Um, but she's like, I don't like cables. I'm like, what? You don't like cable? And she, she didn't want things in, to plug in. So for me, I like my Apple phone. And I'm going to go with her angle. I just don't want another pair of ca- uh, cables. I, just want, I don't want any more charging things. And I, I really don't need a tablet. I watch all of my little TV on my Netflix on my phone. I'm fine with that at the gym. I've already got the earbuds for it. I, I don't need anything else. Like, I'm set for a year, two years, or something like that. And then... The idea of like, hey, honey, have you seen my phone? Hey, honey, have you seen my f- my fold? It just doesn't, no, I, we don't need more devices, do we? A small tablet, a foldable phone? No, it's, I don't feel it. The front display looks odd compared with today's full screen phones with a very thick top and bottom bezels. It's had some problems. It's had some pluses and minuses. And what's going to be interesting about it is, do they come back to the market? How soon with it? You have to have a screen protector and that kind of... It's a piece of plastic that goes on it, and it stops it from when unfolding, from making a crease when you unfold it. Fold, unfold, fold, unfold, crease. Think about that on a piece of electronics, right? Not good. There's a noticeable gap between the edges of the screen protector and the actual side of the display, potentially leaving room for dust and lint to accumulate. It's not ideal. Just throw it out there for you. Um, now, remember the Galaxy S10 smartphone, and you know that's out there right now. That's $1,000, and that's kind of like the whole Apple 10. There's an 8-inch Samsung tablet which costs 250 bucks. So why not just buy a $250 8-inch tablet and a $1,000 Galaxy smartphone and save $750 from getting a 2-in-1 kind of product? Now, maybe people are going to love a 2-in-1 kind of product. I, myself, yeah, not so much. Um, the good news on the Samsung phone is that they make beautiful screens, and it's portable to, for phones and tablets. So it's got that going for them. The crease that runs down the middle of the display is noticeable. And that's a problem. Good news is it's got really long battery life. It's a two-in-one device, and in theory, you don't want it to drain faster than either one of the devices you're currently using to replace that. So they're moving in the right direction. But more bad news, the fold screen can feel too small and cramped when it's closed. Uh, Because they didn't want a giant phone. They wanted a small tablet. It's kind of on the lean side. Now, again, the aspect ratios are kind of what I'm talking about here, and not so much... You know, do you want it? Put it in your pocket. I don't know. Um, just from some really, really small, t- you know, looks into this, I don't think it's a product that has a lot of demand. But maybe they can create it. I don't know. 
you know how uh, Apple's trying to create demand with their phones by coming up with an augmented reality kit, and they're trying to, like, I don't know, we need that. Do we need 3D TVs? I don't know. The, the thing that killed 3D TVs for me was the concept or the idea of me coming over to your house and watching the Super Bowl um, and putting on goggles. So I'm going to sit next to you. Me and my, my best buddy, Zachary, are going to sit down, have a couple beers, and watch the big game. And we're going to put goggles on and watch the game. I'm going to look at him. I'm going to say, you look so stupid, man. And he's going to look at me and he's going to go, you look stupid. So that just wasn't going to fly for me. No, no, no. It's not even a punchline. It's just that's, that's how you would feel, right? I think so. Um, so another negative on the Fold is it's twice as expensive as an iPhone you know, 10 or 11 or whatever we're at now. $2,000 for a piece of technology that you eventually go, this thing's slow. Oh, man, it's camera's broken now or it's glass broken. It does have a good camera. That's another positive. Um, but it doesn't support Samsung's S Pen stylus, which I still haven't picked up a, a stylus for any Apple products. At one point in time, man, Steve Jobs, he hated the stylus. If you believe in, in dead people coming back to haunt, he may haunt Tim Cook from, from Apple for really pushing the new Apple Pen that comes with most iPad Pros now. Uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of... I'm not, I don't need it. The apps run great on Samsung, on the Fold, but it can be hard to use one-handed when open. And for me, I watch, I use my phone one-handed, right? I don't need super big phones. And that's, it, it's kind of funny because the way things are moving in and out of fashion and, and in fuego, out of fuego, I, I still want like a five inch, five and a half inch. When does it become too big and becomes a tablet? I don't have an answer for you. I don't even have close to an answer for you. Um... Great story out of the SF Gate this weekend about a, a woman who's a hairdresser who flies back and forth to San Francisco four times a month from Phoenix. She cuts hair. And she flies at $190 round trip flight. That's two thousand. Uh, what is that? $800 a month. She makes more money cutting hair in San Francisco and flying back and forth, living with her mom in San Francisco than living with her family in Phoenix. Crazy times. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.